Hey, Stage Combat listeners, this is Sean Hayden. And while we're in the studio editing season two of Stage Combat for you, I hope you'll enjoy this bonus episode. One of the voice actors of Stage Combat, Ellen Warner, and I are answering all of your burning questions about season one. And we also discuss, well, let's just say you're going to get a lot of inside information about Stage Combat. So enjoy this bonus episode. You're listening to a bonus episode of Stage Combat, a mental health story. Hey, everybody, it's Sean Hayden, and with me is voice actor Ellen Warner, who's one of the voice actors of Stage Combat, a mental health story. And Ellen is going to join me for a special Q&A for season one. Welcome, Ellen. Thanks for having me, Sean. We're going to be covering your questions, so there will be spoilers in this. So by all means, if you haven't heard all the episodes of season one, you might want to do that first before listening to this bonus episode. Ellen, you've listened to season one after being in the recording studio with us. What was it like to hear your own work and to hear the entire series uh, that you had only kind of had bits and pieces coming into the studio? Well, it was interesting because I thought I knew the story and I didn't have the whole story. So, but it was so much more than I knew and so much more profound and heartbreaking than I knew. I feel like I'm unraveling the Zelensky call here, Sean. I'm just piecing the <laughs> puzzle together for myself also. Yeah. And uh, I, I think what we've successfully done in the podcast is it it is like putting a puzzle together because the whole idea was to show how a mental health crisis happens and how things happen within organization, within a company. And what we're going to see as we're working right now, editing season two is, is, is what is the fallout from that mental health crisis. But, you know, we've been so encouraged. You never know when you put out a podcast, you know, will anyone listen to it? And you know, it's been so rewarding to not only have so many listeners, but uh, the comments that have come in. From all over, from all over. From all over the world. This is like, you know, I wondered, was this going to be a very New York-centric sort of reaction? But it's not only all over the country, it's all over the world, wherever there is theater. There is this problem of either Chads in the workplace not being supervised, mental health not being respected, actors not being respected. I thought it might be nice just to share some of the comments, some of the people who've written into us, and you've got some comments. Do you want to share some of those with our listeners? Yes. Um, I have Damien in the UK. Thanks for sharing your story. The aggressions that go on in the theater don't get talked about enough. Thank you, Damien. And Colleen in Cape Town, South Africa says, I've listened to every episode and am finding this journey so interesting and frankly shocking. I have only ever been involved in community theater where we're not driven by money, but more for the love of sending love. That's really profound. I mean, we, we have so many of us, we have lost that, you yes. know, the, the love of what we do, you know, in the arts and the joy and the joy. Yeah. I'm going to tell you like in the, I think it was the second to last talk back Dr. Alyssa Hurwitz says something to the effect of art is just meant to be communication. And I was like, holy crap, I've forgotten why I do this. But it's like, it's 100% true. Art is like a way to communicate that you cannot necessarily do with only words. And that just yeah. like, 
Yeah. Uh, a listener in Sacramento, um, this listener wrote this beautiful three-page story on Instagram. And so this is just a little piece. She said, I have also been labeled difficult a couple of times. So we're referring to episode seven, the last scene of episode seven. And I know the profound weight that holds, especially when it comes from a situation where you're trying to do the right thing. If you're in a position of authority, then someone who's trying to speak up, please consider taking a step back and trying to see the full situation before slapping on that label. Yeah. Um, I think we have one more listener comment. Okay. Tom in British Columbia says, this podcast is really going to help a lot of people particularly in our industry where the hierarchical structure can really create a lot of inner turmoil for people with mental health struggles. As you've emphasized throughout the podcast, we are essentially programmed not to speak up. That is, yes. Yes and yes and yes. Yeah. So we have received a lot of questions in addition to comments, and we thought we would take this opportunity to answer some of those. And uh, Ellen, why don't you get us started? Okay, listener questions. Thank you for sharing your story. I'm wondering how are you doing today with your mental health? That is so nice. I've had many people ask me that in, in DMs. I want everyone to know I am okay. I've had three and a half years to come out on the other side of this. And, you know, a big part of my wellness, my recovery from the trauma was in doing this podcast for all of you. You know, it's the ultimate cognitive therapy. So thank you for allowing me to tell my story to all of you because it, it has helped me tremendously. But thank you for asking that. What's our next question? Next question. Can you tell me why you changed the names of the cast of Billy Elliot in the podcast? Was there a formula for making the decision there? Yeah. So we've had kind of variations on this question, you know, why did you not change the names of some people? Why did you change the name of the cast? So the way it started, when I started writing this podcast a year ago, now when I say I've come out on the other side of this, you know, even a year ago, I was in really bad shape with my mental health while writing this. And I honestly could not write Chad's real name and write this story. You know, it was too traumatic. So I named him Chad <laughs> and uh, started writing the story. Uh, but then I realized as I was writing it, the cast of Billy Elliot, they came to the good speed to do the same thing I wanted to do. They came to do a show. You know, They didn't ask to be put into the chaos that ensued. So I wanted to get them some privacy in that regard. So I just made a clean line that the cast, we changed everyone's name. So that does include Chad. It does include Aaron, the fight captain. And that's why I made that decision. Now, with regard to everyone else, look, this happens at the, it, it took place at the good speed. You can't deny that, you know? And so these are real people, you know, much like if we were, you know, this is not a Netflix documentary, but if you were doing a documentary of, you know, anything that happened in a company, you know, you, you would just, to tell the story, you, you have to say what happened. And so that's why I, I made that decision. Have you heard from the Goodspeed about the podcast? So let me just say, they have made their position known about how they feel about there being a podcast. And that will be part of the story of season two. And that's really all I can say. Mysterious, right? Very. Very. Yeah. 
Since the podcast came out, have you heard from anyone from the cast of Billy Elliot? I have not. I will say this, like that cast came to do a job, to do a show just like I did. I hope they are listening to the podcast. I assume that if they are listening, and I'm sure people are listening, that they are getting a lot of new information that they did not have before. I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to ask Okay. I've worked with a lot of Chads myself. Have you heard from Chad since the podcast came out? No. Have you heard from him in the three and a half years since this happened? No. Okay. Do you mind me asking, what do you think you would say to Chad if you heard from him? Um, I, I would not have anything to say. That's fair. Yeah. Next question. Um, when, okay, this is about episode six. When will we learn how you finally learn about Chad's allegations? Ooh. Yep. So we're going to learn that in season two. So what we've told you in season one, that it will take two years. So we're in 2019. We've got to get to 2021, but that will be revealed and it is part of the story. I promise. How did you get what are obviously the HR notes for the good speed? Yeah. Um, that is also part of the story of season two, <laughs> how we how we legally obtained, you know, the notes. So constructing the story, you know, of what is going on by, behind the scenes, that's coming from the Goodspeed's own internal documents. We told everyone that in the social media when we were promoting the show, uh, you know, just to say the amount of research and how meticulous we were in putting the story together. But that will also be revealed in season two. But they are the HR notes. Yes, that's what we are dramatizing. Yes. So I'm curious about Chad's allegation that you essentially had a criminal history. Couldn't have Goodspeed just run a quick criminal background check to verify Chad's allegations right away? Okay, that is a really good question. The answer to that is yes. Yes. So equity, right? If, if any of these things had happened on an equity job, would there not be some consequence from the union that would prevent you working another union job or well, have you ever heard of the union being involved in a restraining order like what that doesn't happen like that's like some from an the union would never be involved that's just have you ever heard of that happening no i haven't it's not a thing the union is not going to go get a restraining order against one of its union like how would that even play out but about that criminal background check yeah you're you're correct keep in mind the general manager she is an attorney she's a new york attorney registered in New York and as a SMI. And it's interesting because you can get a criminal background check in New York by going to the same website where as attorneys, we have to register every two years. We have to pay our dues. And for $95 and a date of birth, which they had, and a name, you get an instant criminal background check in all 62 counties of New York within two minutes. So- yeah, you know, that's an interesting point. That's something that could have been done before they even tried to wait the next day to try to contact the union. Good question, though. Yeah, actually, you're reminding me that one of my good friends is a lawyer and has offered to LexisNexis my dates just because he's <laughs> bored. Like, it seems really easy for him. He's like, do you want to look up yeah. the deed to that house? We'll do it. And I'm like, you're bored, bro. But thank you. All right. These are good questions. What else do we have? Um, what else do we have? Okay. Uh, was wondering if Actors Equity called you to tell you that Goodspeed had called them about Chad's allegations. 
No. Um, my coworkers and I were talking. This is awesome. This means you're in a water cooler pool. <laughs> my coworkers and I were talking. We're wondering, how do you have a fair investigation without interviewing the accused? Oh, that is a very good question. I can tell you as a lawyer, you don't. Yeah. Uh, when we were writing the podcast, we actually consulted with an employment attorney in New York who specializes, her job is uh, companies hire her to go into and conduct investigations. And that was the first question. I mean, it's just common sense, right? But that was the first question we asked. And she said, you don't. And so at the end of episode six, where we actually list all the things that did not appear to be done in the investigation, that's actually coming from that expert. When we, we itemize, you know, you would have, you know, a finding, findings of fact, you would have a report, you know, you would have confidentiality restrictions. All of that stuff is based upon that conversation with that expert. Okay. Why is Chad getting away with so much? <laughs> you know, a, a lot of people are asking that. I don't have at this point all those answers for you, but I think what you can't deny is the power of someone powerful in an organization like the stage manager. You know, I'm referring to the end of episode seven, the Sean is difficult memo, when there had been no occurrences other than this fight call when I had the air knocked out of me. I don't think you can deny the power of that in terms of confirmation bias. You know, when we're talking about confirmation bias in companies, when a label gets put on someone, I think it creates a lens that people want to believe there's some truth to something. So I don't know if that's part of how he's getting away with a lot. I mean, like, is his uncle a board member? Like, I, Look, I, I will say that more than one person has asked me questions similar to that. Okay. So I don't think that's the case, but I'm just saying that's always people's reaction. I do think there's a feeling like if you combine being labeled difficult, okay, and then, look, once an allegation is out there, you know, I, I heard, you know, I was watching the Hillary Clinton documentary that came out a couple of years ago, you know, what she said was, she says, once the allegation is out there, it remains in people's mind that there has to be some part of that that's true. And I mean, these pages and pages of things that were lodged by Chad, if you saw the notes, it's bonkers. I mean, these copious notes of all, I mean, we're only telling you a fraction of what he took into that meeting because we, you, could, you would never be able to take that much information. We're telling you the worst of it, but there's so much more that he's complaining about in that meeting. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's wild. Okay. That's, yeah. What, that there's a lot more in the pages? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's already yeah. plenty that's in the podcast. There's a lot more. Yeah. Look, there's a lot of details, you know, in making the podcast. You can only tell so much story, you know, and there's a lot of story, right? I mean, this is a very convoluted, nuanced story with one failure sort of building on the other. So we could not include every bad thing that happened. <laughs> so let's just say that. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I hate to break it to people, but the story does ramp up in season two. So this is just a precursor to what's going to happen in the story of stage combat. On that happy note, what's our next question? Our next question is, why did you decide to tell the story in two seasons? <laughs> why did we try to tell the story in two seasons? Look, there's 20 episodes. That's a lot of story. You know, this is a mental health story told like a true crime podcast, sort of. And most stories are told in sort of, you know, 
six, seven, eight episodes. We have nine in season one. So I just, I, I thought it was better for people to, to be able to be more receptive to listen to the story, you know, because if who's going to listen to 20 episodes? But it was also a clear delineation that each season had a different purpose. And again, as I've said before, the first season is to show you step-by-step step how that crisis happens. And then the second season is to show you the fallout. And really that second season is the mental health story. It, you know, it's a three and a half year journey. So we will go beyond the opera house back to my life in New York and follow that journey. So it's, it's pretty epic. Yeah. What can we expect in season two? Does the story pick up right where it left off? Yeah, story picks up the day after I drove off from the opera house and I come back for the press night performance. And then we will continue the story for that next three and a half year period. And it actually ends in April of 2023. That's uh, that's two months ago. Was the story still being written even as we were in production? Yes, the story was still being written. I have a question. When all this was going on, um, what made you decide that the podcast was the correct format for telling your story? What, what inspired that? Well, that is also part of the story of season two. And so you will actually learn that. It is just much as part of the story as the story of leaving the opera house. So we'll, we'll leave that for season two, but it's a good question and that will be revealed as well. Do you miss acting ever? That's a hard question to, to answer. I miss the joy. You know, you and I have talked, Ellen, and we mm-hmm. worked together in acting class. You know, I miss the joy of those great experiences. Look, and let's be clear, not all theater experiences are like the one in stage combat. Mm-mm. You know, uh, there are a lot of theaters where not great things happen, but there's also experiences that are full of joy. And I do miss that. I don't know where, and again, this is part of the story of season two. I don't know where. I kind of fit in or where my future is in terms of performing. And I'm just happy to have the opportunity to tell my story in this format. And that's kind of where I am today. I know that you said that um, things are a lot better than they were even a year ago. Mm. Do you see what the next steps are for you, Sean, to be back at like a mental health level, if not you know, on par with prior to this experience, at least, you know, approaching some level of optimal and like putting everything behind you. Yeah. I would say that, you know, when I said I'm doing well, I'm doing very well. And it is the unexpected benefit of doing this podcast. You know, my doctor said it was the best thing that I could have done for me. You know, if you think about, and I told you this once when you were in the recording session, you know, it was sort of like I was watching you record it was a bit like recreating the crime scene which is weird but there's a therapeutic benefit to that and so what i didn't expect was the cathartic benefit of telling the story because part of the story of stage combat is that you know people were denying what was happening to me you know so not only to have a record of it so that you can't take that away from me you you can't tell me that what i know happened didn't happen but putting it in perspective and seeing that journey that really had a a huge benefit for me. You know, not in one of our talks, but Elisa Hurwitz told me we were having dinner one night and she said, you know, in trauma therapy, the last thing we ask the client to do, the patient to do, 
is to write a narrative of what happened to you. That's like the final step to recovery. So it, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to go do a 20 episode podcast. You know, everyone can try to, again, it comes to the power. This is what we've been emphasizing. It is the power of telling our stories. That's not just a catchphrase where we say, claim your story. We mean that at the end of every episode because there are people that will that want to take your story away from you or deny you the opportunity. So obviously, I went and did it in a huge way, <laughs> but I didn't expect I would be where I am today, talking to you, talking to the press, promoting the podcast, working on season two. So it's a good place to be in. So, but thank you for asking. That's good to hear. You do look, I don't know, when we started talking about this, maybe a year ago, you explained the project to me and you just seem so much more at peace with things. And I, I'm liking to think now. that it's possible. Yes. Yes. Now. Yeah. Because um, I was, I was in still pretty bad shape when I started this podcast. You know, I, I will reveal, you'll hear this in season two, that one of the side effects, I, was, I developed a stutter. So when we started recording, I was dealing with that stutter and that was from the trauma. I still stumble words, but I don't stutter. So yeah, even a year ago when we were, were talking, I was, I was really still struggling as I was writing this and then writing it would bring up so much. And then I'd have to work through that with my therapist and have to process that, you know, and I was connecting the dots and then, you know, you start to realize things are worse than I thought because you're, you're really connecting dots. You're saying this happened and then that caused this and this caused that. So that had its own traumatic effect, but eventually coming out on the other side of it was very cathartic and healing. I'm just so impressed that you like, as a person who's been to a lot of therapy and wants to be their therapist's favorite patient, which I realize makes me a walking meme, just the ability to talk about this stuff and like be completely candid and to not like, oh, but that's really, that's embarrassing and shameful. And I'm not going to say that one thing that I really need to talk about because I yeah. have done that a lot. Yeah. But what what's the point? You know, what, what, how is that working out for us? Yeah. How is that working out for us denying what is happening to us or, you know, in the world of the theater industry where we're kind of comply with toxic positivity. How's that working out for everyone? You know, you know, <laughs> you literally I just dropped, dropped my mic. mic. I just literally, you literally, it, yes, you literally, I got so excited. I pulled the it mic. Um. Yeah. Look, I mean, this is the thing is, and I've, you know, like I fortunately have done a lot of press interviews um, for the podcast and I keep saying the same thing. We have to normalize the conversation so that, and particularly with men, but everyone, right? We have to normalize the conversation so that it is not really that big of a deal for someone to reveal they have a panic disorder. I mean, we should, we still care. We want to care about that person 100%, but there's not a stigma attached to it. That's where we have to get. And we have to have these conversations and we need to encourage other people to, if you're struggling, talk about it. You know, and it's in the power of numbers. It's in, again, the normalization. That's where we need to go. So, Ellen, thank you so much for joining me on this little Q&A. And I just always want to really tell our listeners how much we appreciate you. And I read every message that comes in. And we got a problem in this industry. 
worldwide, and we need to change it. Hopefully, again, like Dr. Hurwitz said, there's power in numbers. If we all speak up, we're going to make that change. Let's all be part of it. Yep, let's be part of it. Thank you, everyone. 